Soldiers and war do not seem a likely place for a comedy. PTSD doesn't have the making of a barrel of laughs, at least not at first glance. But for creator Kevin Beagle, who brought a whole lot of heart to this setting and premise, it was the perfect recipe for one of the best one-season comedies in American television. We'll be interviewing the showrunners later, but first, a little history on the production of this wonderful show. Folks, this is Enlisted. We gotta get serious. If you're gonna be a bear, be a what? Oh, a panda bear. No, you're supposed to say grizzly. Pandas are very powerful. They can tear apart bamboo with their teeth. The point is, be the strongest bear. With all due respect, pandas are very powerful. They can tear apart bamboo with their teeth. Right, I get that. Panda's my spirit animal. Does it have to be a bear? Can it be a kitty? It should be a scorpion with two tails. What about three tails? That's stupid. Oh, God. Hi, my name's Shane Anderson, and this is One Season Wonders, a show about the TV we left behind, taken off the air after only a single season, sometimes less. Hundreds of creatives poured their hearts and souls into these shows, only to have them cut down before they could find an audience. Now... This is not a best-of list, there'll be no rankings or ratings. My only hope is to bring to light some underseen gems, to try and speak with some of the people who were there when they were made, and maybe, just maybe, in our own little way, we can uncancel these little slices of wonder. So, why don't we stretch out on the couch, and let's watch some TV. In 2012, Kevin Beagle stepped down as showrunner of the Courtney Cox starring comedy Cougar Town. It had been cancelled at ABC after season three, but it had almost immediately been picked up for a fourth season at TBS. Despite the resurrection of the show, he felt it was time to move on. Beagle, who had worked on shows like Grounded for Life, South Park, Scrubs, and many others, had been ruminating on an idea based around his own relationship with his brothers, in addition to an idea for a comedy set in the military, a subject of deep passion for Beagle, with many of his family members having served or currently serving in the military. It was during season three of Cougar Town that ABC executive Johnny Davis suggested that Beagle marry the two ideas together, and thus, Enlisted was born. Producer Mike Royce, who had worked on Everybody Loves Raymond and Men of a Certain Age, who had a deal at Fox, was attracted to the idea because of the blend of, as he put it, the touch of drama to the 90% comedy. It meant to him that, quote, we're taking things seriously and honouring the people who do this work. With a script deal from Fox, Royce and Beagle teamed up as executive producers, and on Thursday, January 24th, 2013, Fox picked up the enlisted pilot under a script with penalty offer. Now officially announced in the trades, the pilot of Enlisted was put into production. Enlisted tells the story of three very different brothers, Pete, Derek, and Randy, who all serve in the military. The oldest brother, Pete, is a hotshot in Afghanistan. However, after punching his superior officer in the face, he's reassigned stateside. Welcome to Rear Detachment, the soldiers who are assigned to take care of the military bases at home. This setting becomes the workplace of a workplace comedy, and using this, the show has episodes dealing with all kinds of things, like PTSD, embracing the suck, prank wars, men in crop tops, a war between robots, and much, much more. Now forced to work with his two younger brothers and wanting to prove himself once again, hilarity ensues as Pete tries to whip up his ragtag unit into shape. There's Derek with his total apathy and couldn't care less attitude, and Randy, the over-enthusiastic, slightly dopey, big-hearted guy who has a deep love of everything family and the military. Together, all three of them make for a wonderful unit of brotherly conflict. Supporting the brothers, there's Sergeant Major Donald Cody, who runs the base, Sergeant Jill Perez, who has eyes for beating Pete at everything they can compete over, and then the rest of Pete's unit. A mixed group of well-meaning, slightly hopeless soldiers who try their best. 
Casting happened fast. Jeff Stoltz, known for The Finder, a Bones spin-off show that also lasted one season, was announced as the lead in February of 2013. The other brothers followed soon, with Parker Young from Suburgatory announced in the same month as playing Randy, the youngest brother, and Chris Lowell, known as Piz for any of you Veronica Mars fans out there, being announced just days later. Rounding out the cast is Emmy winner and insanely prolific actor Keith David as Sergeant Major Donald Cody, who runs the base, and Angelique Cabral as Sergeant Jill Perez. Pete's squad consists of relatively fresh faces, but keen viewers would know some of them from their guest stints in episodes of shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Community, Dexter, and more. The challenge with writing the show was finding a way to do comedy without disrespecting the people or the work of the armed forces. The goal was to make soldiers funny without making fun of soldiers. How? You don't make jokes about the military, you make jokes about the characters, said Kevin Beagle. The pilot was filmed and completed, and then the trailers dropped. Audiences online were immensely sceptical. The trailers focused on many of the slapstick elements in the pilot, and this naturally made people concerned that it wasn't taking the thing seriously that it needed to. Mike Royce said, Promos just have a hard time telling the story, so I certainly could see some people reacting to a 10-second promo and getting the wrong idea about the show. To help calm fears, Beagle and Royce sprang into action. They contacted military websites and blogs to address this issue, and also took to responding to tweets that were skeptical of the show. They even sent screeners of the show in the hopes of assuring people that they had the right intentions. Beagle joked, I'm sure Fox isn't super happy that we sent the show out to hundreds of people. Through this process, they soon realised they'd gotten some fundamental things about military life incorrect in the pilot. As much as the show was a comedy, it was important to Beagle and his cast and crew to get things right. So when the network ordered a full season prior to filming, the three actors playing brothers, along with Angelique Cabral and Keith David, travelled to Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas for some army basic training. Their boot camp included pretty much everything that a recently enlisted soldier goes through, including an obstacle course that had a 45-foot climb over a wall and even midnight checks of their rooms that they all apparently failed. Speaking of the experience and why they felt it was necessary, actor Angelique Cabral said, We want people to know that we really care. This excursion was even turned into little webisodes that were used to promote the show in the lead-up to the premiere. Enlisted was originally slated to air November of 2013, in a time slot following hit Fox show Bones. But Fox suddenly announced it was pushing the show back to January of 2014, with a 13-episode order. Fox cited that the strong male skew of the audience for the show meant that they'd allow more promotion during football season and other sports coverage. Premiering with 2.74 million viewers, Enlisted had good to great reviews out of the gate. But the problems began almost immediately with Fox airing the episodes out of order. Suddenly characters were in relationships that hadn't happened yet, only to have the meet-cute several episodes later. This was cited by showrunners and audience members as a driving force behind the lack of audience retention. Despite its premiere demo rating jump 86% once DVR numbers were included, Fox decided to bump it to the Friday time slot, where the modest ratings tended to dip more than spike. Fox cancelled the show on May the 1st, 2014, with four episodes still left to air. Kevin Beagle and Mike Royce each received separate calls. Mike Royce was told they put a bullet in it. It's done. And Kevin's call was even shorter. Hello, he asked. It's dead, was the reply. 
The final episodes were allowed to air and Enlisted ended with just 940,000 viewers paired with a 0.3 rating, down 22 and 25% week to week. Despite the upsetting news, Enlisted seemed to strike a chord with viewers, especially with its emotional finale titled Alive Day. On writing a season finale, Beagle has a philosophy he learned from his days writing for Scrubs. End a season in a satisfying way, as if it's the last one you ever get to make. And speaking personally here, they absolutely nail the landing. Alive Day is a beautiful and still very funny episode of television. Some fantastic performances and brilliant writing and one hell of a cameo. If there ever was a way to go, they did it right on Enlisted. The show was, it turns out, especially embraced by members and families of those in the armed services. After cancellation, petitions were made to revive the show, letters written, tweet storms made. There was some hope professionally too. Yahoo had recently picked up beloved, if low-rated, cult comedy Community, and while preliminary talks were started, as was reported in Deadline, after weeks of negotiations, Yahoo screens abandoned talks, and with no other buyers at hand, Enlisted was officially over. Before we get to the where are they now section of this episode, I'm very happy to say Enlisted's executive producers Kevin Beagle and Mike Royce agreed to a short interview for this podcast. So without further ado, here's some of the story from the people who made Enlisted happen. So I'm here with uh, Mike Royce and Kevin, am I pronouncing this right? K-Dog Beagle? K-Dog. <laughs> K-Dog. Oh, oh, that's right. what he likes. <laughs> it's better than Snoopy. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you both for coming on here to talk about this, like, truly, truly wonderful show. When I started preparing the podcast, I knew pretty, like, immediately I wanted it to be the first episode because it's the one I'm always telling people. It's, like, the first on the list to tell people. It's like, oh, this is that show. You need to watch it. It's the best thing ever. It's such a joy, and it's a real honor to talk to you both today. That's really kind of you. Thank you, Shane. (laughs) Yes, thank you. So, first question. So, can you know we were just talking before we started rolling but cancellations are sort of par for the course in the world of television so i assume everyone kind of develops like a really strong you know let it go move on to the next thing kind of reflex but with enlisted it's sort of been like sorry i'm already laughing at your <laughs> at your idea that we can just let them go but i i will shut up and let you continue <laughs> Well, with, with um with enlisted eight years gone have you ever found yourselves sort of wondering what if or imagining where your careers would be if it had gone on for multiple seasons? Oh gosh. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't want to speak for Mike, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of the, I, I genuinely can say I miss it every day. I mean, part of it is because in my office, I've got, you know, my little enlisted corner of stuff that I look at as I'm working. Yeah. My mind goes to, when you work with such a wonderful group of people on something that is so much fun and so fulfilling, it's hard not to go back to that, especially in the world. And I'm sure Michael can expand on this in a world of like frustrations and bang your head against the wall. That is television. So yeah, I miss, I miss it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I have the attitude that I've, I've had my heart broken basically three times, but that means I got to love three times, you know? Hey, so, and listen, came about hardly, I mean, I got to be part of Enlisted because men of a certain age, the first show that I dearly loved and co-created uh, that show um, got canceled. So it's like, great show. you know, Enlisted, I wouldn't have had the amazing experience of Enlisted if that show hadn't gotten canceled. And when Enlisted got canceled, I went on and did a show uh, one day at a time behind me. Um, you know, but at the same time, it doesn't take away the injustice and the, the fact that Enlisted 
should should have been should have had a long run. It was it was the show that was the most destroyed by you know network forces and just scheduling and not nonsense. I mean, they they say they they admit to it. It's not I'm not even trying to like you know kill anybody here. It's just a matter of things happen. Things happen, and this you know you get caught in the crossfire. And I'm using a lot of lower terminology for some reason because we were just talking about. It. <laughs> Uh, and I imagine it because it was there was sort of significant autobiographical elements for you, Kevin, that it sort of hit hit, hit harder than I guess another show would have. Well, it was a, it was very weird because uh, it's, I, let me do a, a very quick sidebar because it, it's I was telling a story to some to someone today to your autobiographical point is that I remember when we were um, seeing actors for the show and figure out who's going to be on the show. And maybe my memory's iffy, but it's it's if it's a fake memory, it's a funny one. <laughs> I remember that we had different actors because it's kind of loosely based on my relationship with my two brothers, my two younger brothers. And we had um, and we had actors come in, and we had actors come in for the middle role for that uh, Chris Lowell got, you know, all very good looking, talented actors. And we had actors come in for the younger role for that uh, Parker got. And I remember they're like, oh, we're going to have actors come in for the Pete role. That's the role. And it's like, oh, that's the role. That's like, you know, I wrote a, wrote my experiences into it. And it, the first actor that came in was a kid that played Napoleon Dynamite. And I was like, well, this, <laughs> this seems appropriate. <laughs> okay. All right. But it was weird because, and he, by the way, he's a great actor and he, and he wonderful guy. But um, it was weird because the way that we wrote the show, it and people never believe me when I say this, is that. Mike and the rest of the writers and the actors, and we came up with a season that was kind of a contained story, right? So there was no, there was dangling ideas, but story-wise, I felt like we got to tell a couple of beginning, middle, and an end. And I was so satisfied with that and felt so lucky that we got to do that. It didn't get me in a way where I was like, shoot, we missed out on all these opportunities. I really felt like we told something complete in a way that was satisfying. And maybe that's part of my brain just trying to crush the 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 part where my art's broken in like 10 years it's going to come back to me in a flood i'm going to be like oh i'm in such pain but it really did it didn't hurt as much because of that because i felt like we told the complete story All right wonderful I, I i that's the part about the show i really love too when because i watched it with my sister and she you know oh it, so she loved it too and and that like um a live day was like such a perfect ending to a story even and we wanted more we we were desperate for more but it was such a good ending that we didn't feel like it's not like those shows that kind of end on a cliffhanger or end and you're just like ah oh, if you just got like one more to just finish that thread of the plot you know there was two, there were two things that made that episode happen three things that happened one thing was i had some 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 kind of medical stuff in me personally that was i was trying to kind of like get out through the show uh, another, and so that was kind of baked into the main character, Pete's character. Second thing was there was a writer we had named Julia Lillis. She was a writer assistant at the time. And since then, she's been an excellent writer. Was an excellent writer. And she was in the Navy and she had the idea, she knew the term alive day. And she mentioned it one day in the room. And it, it hit me in such a way that I don't even know if Mike knows this. And I cry all the time, but I had to turn to the board and pretend to write something on the board. I was getting teary, her thinking of the idea and thinking of what she had just said. So that was part of it. And the third part of it was, I remember we did the table read for it and I was like, it's great. Let's not change anything. And then Mike had an idea. It's like, no, let's change this one thing. And it was about, uh, Cody finding it, knowing that they were having a party for him and it being a surprise. And Mike's like, let's make it a surprise. It'll be so much more satisfying. And he was hundred percent right. And it's those, those three little things. And that, that was the, that's kind of the, 
way it went for the whole series. It was so everyone adding something special to it and just building and building and building. And I'll, I know I'm rambling, but I'll shut up. But it was, that's one of the reasons that that episode, and I think all of them, it worked so well is because it felt like so many people were just adding in little bits and we just take the best bits and create this thing. I'm sorry. I just want to add to that because um, I'm pretty sure if I fix that story in that way, I think my memory is different too, but I'm pretty sure that came off a network note. And, you know, we shit on them all the time. <laughs> but I oh, think you we know were what pushed was? to make the story more surprising in some way. It was, you know what yeah. it was? You're right. It was Susanna Macros. And she said, what if this happened? I think so. And then I was like, oh God, but that means more work. And we just got through a whole season. And I'm like, yeah, well, we, we just thought, do, we thought, yeah, yeah we and, really thought like, we had a perfect ending. Yeah. And then she it, pointed out a flaw and then we, you know, it made yeah, us make and, it better. And then, and, then yeah. and you're like, no, let's think about this. And it, it was, and it was right. And it made it that much better. That moment where the door opens and he sees it and goes, this is all for me. Like that's, that's one of the best episodes of the season. Like that wouldn't have existed. So yeah, I mean, that's, right. that's what that show, that's, the show was all about this, this group of people working together and it may seem trite but one of the reasons i think it's so special for me and mike is that that really is what the show was behind the scenes i mean it was it was really cool like you were saying it's better to have uh, loved and lost did it when you were in the middle of the show and you were thinking like were you working towards an end or were you sort of in the middle of it thinking okay this is going to be multiple seasons and and then when mm -hmm. it got canceled does it go oh you know you're sad and all that kind of thing but then is it sort of like oh that kind of makes it a bit special in a way well in retrospect yes the the you know ending in a place that feels like you can watch the season and still be totally totally satisfied is was is very rewarding you know you could recommend the show to anybody now and because it's not like we leave you hanging you know um during it it was you know it was for me it felt great to be a part of like we're doing a network comedy and we're doing a great like it's we're, it's really coming out the way we want it to and, you know, it like, well, I think we have a chance here. And then, you know, little by little things happen schedule wise. And it just became like a falling down the stairs where you start to feel like, oh my God, the world's against us, you know, and not for nothing, Brooklyn Nine-Nine watched the same season, right? Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of my favorite shows. It's one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years, period. But... <laughs> They they got all and all the attention, everything. Yeah. They got everything we didn't get, and so I wasn't. I mean, I was jealous of them. I didn't hold. I watched every episode of their, of their show, but it was a little bit like, well, there's the life we could be having, but instead we're having it's bizarro world over here, you know. And um, I, there's a story I'd like to tell later, but I'm gonna that will that will be emblematic of what what we went through a wonderful wonderful there's another show that launched the same season as you guys that i adored that i want to do for this podcast called the crazy ones it was the one with robin williams it was the david oh, yeah. e. Kelly show yeah yeah i remember one day we were in jason weiner yep i was in we were in editing i remember being in editing one day and the way the fox lot was set up is that you know you've got these big buildings and there's sound stages and there's little bungalows and you never know if in that bungalow over there someone's editing it could be an x-men movie or it could be a tv show it's really interesting and kind of cool sitting and editing one day and hearing this crazy commotion outside and be like, what the hell is that? And you just kind of feel like, -da 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 -da. what is that? And someone goes, <laughs> oh, they're shooting crazy ones outside. And I poked my head out and, you, you know, it's a scrum of people. You can't see anybody. But sure enough, kind of like in the middle of all of these heads, you know, uh, on the other side of the camera, you just see Robin Williams just kind of like gesticulating wildly. And, and I'm like, this is real. I didn't even want to go over and look closer because I'm like, this is the perfect 
way to see it. Like, like almost white, because like, like really white because of the light shining on them and just shouting. It was, it was so cool. But that, no, that was a really good show too. That season, there was a lot of good shows that came out that year. But I think, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't, the nice thing about having two nice things. One is that we never got a chance to screw it up. We only did 13 and I think we did 13 right. really good episodes. That's and, true. And like, yeah, that was nice. Like we never like, boy, season two is a stinker. It's like there was no season right. two. <laughs> no stinkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other nice thing, and this is something outside of our control and we'll be forever grateful is the, is the fan reaction to it. The fact that we're still talking about it eight years later, however many years later it is, is, is insane to me. And it makes my heart swell up. It's so wonderful and great that the show still has this life because people like it and they keep finding it. Like we said, there's a text chain that Mike and I have got with all the actors on it. And every once in a while it'll spring to life. And then Parker will see it and send 20 pictures of himself shirtless running down a beach. Right. And then one thing the other day was someone on uh TikTok had put on a video of, um, of Angelique Cabral's character doing like kind of this monologue. And it was like this yeah. wonderful thing. So we sent it to the group and the same thing happened. It's like, we still are taught. We, we still are, you know, when you do a show, you just hope that people like it. But then you also make some connections and like, we, we kind of hit the jackpot on that show. It only went a season, but sure. We still, we got everything out of it. We possibly could have hoped to get out of it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Except you... for season two. <laughs> Except for season two. <laughs> uh, but do you have a, a fondest memory from making the series? Any in particular that stand out for you both? Oh God. I, yeah, I saw this question and I'm like, I have too many of them, you know? Um, I mean, certainly filming that last episode was amazing. In retrospect, the idea that Laurie Laughlin showed up for 20 minutes to just be filmed. <laughs> yeah. And now, I mean, who knew the wreckage that would ensue? Not that we caused it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> we didn't do it. Yeah. Just a, it's, yeah, it's just a crazy history now that that's the end of our show. Laurie <laughs> <laughs> Laughlin. It's like one of the last yes. shots, too, in the in the episode. It is. Yeah. And this is, this is meaning her no disrespect, although I'm not sure why I'm meaning her no disrespect, I guess this context, but we, we, there were so many actresses. I believe the first pitch was Bo Derek. Shit, who was? No, it was Bo Derek. That right? was, it wasn't Bo Derek. Oh, the, no, it was Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Oh, Joan Cusack. I am right. almost positive. I think this is, yeah, I, no, I, I think you're right. Good knows this, but yeah. And then Jeff, did. and then that didn't happen. And then Jeff said he knew Bo Derek or something like that. It's what yeah, I mean, that, that after that, it was, but we got to Bo Derek at one point. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and we were against Laurie off and I was personally, because there's no, her name is not funny sounding. It's too many soft consonants. Laurie, too sad. The way Mel, the, the way Mel says it is funny though. Laurie, Miss uh, Laurie, yeah. he added the miss. Was, That's yeah. what did it. Proven miss, enormously wrong. <laughs> miss Laurie Laughlin. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I mean, ride, we get, to, Mike and I got to ride on the, uh, it's not a tank, but let's call it the tank. Oh, in the first yeah. So yeah, yeah. Me and Mike just sitting on that tank and being like, we put something on page and their Fox network is paying us to ride a tank around in the mud. I mean, what? This is the, it was, it was great. It was crazy. I, I, yeah. I remember, I mean, I brought, we, I had, uh, one daughter was three at the time and one was just born, but a three-year-old had a little crush on Parker. So I remember bringing her to the set and she was so shy and Parker talking to her. I mean. Every every day was fun on that set. That was a fun set. It was great. Tons of fun. Yeah. Have you had any interesting reactions from people discovering the show after, like as opposed to the ones who were watching it with it or, or in the in the in the wake of the cancellation? Have people like discovered it years down the track and kind of gone, holy shit, this is, you know, amazing? 
I don't, I, I, I think so, but it's like Twitter gets, it all, all gets mixed up, you know? So there was definitely a big wave of attention when it got onto Hulu, but I, I have trouble separating that for the people who are watching it and rewatching it, you know? But um, I'm just so glad it's on Hulu. That's fantastic. And I hope it yeah. stays there for a long time. We get, I mean, we get dinged every once in a while too, where people reach. I, I'm sure you get this, Mike. And like, I sometimes I miss this because like you have to like put a little setting on your DMs, but people just write you, go, hey, thank you so much for this show. Or like, the, like the, the best ones, and we've done these are when when uh, people would say like, oh, this opened up a dialogue with a certain member of the family, or this this episode with the therapist therapy made me go in and get help myself. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're doing this comedy show, and it actually meant something. That was, I mean, that was amazing. By the way, it speaks of that's another amazing moment of like. We had Stacy Keach on the show and like sitting next to Stacy Keach and being like, the first movie I ever took my daughter to was your film Planes. And he's like, you know, he's done a million movies and he's like, Planes, okay. But he was like the nicest guy about it. I mean, that was so cool. It was a real lesson though. The show for me, uh, in addition to all the great experiences, and it was the, uh, it was pretty much the first show where I was taught the lesson of getting things right because we did the pilot we learned a ton of lessons. We got called out on all our mistakes. We, you know, thanks to Kevin, who like, it, you know, knew the, had the perfect plan of like, we got to embrace this and we got to like, we got to rectify everything. <laughs> we have to like broadcast and get everybody understanding that we're like, our hearts are in the right place here. You, uh, you sent, you <laughs> sent the pilot to a bunch of people, uh, with, I, I believe I got that, found the research that you would sent the pilot to a few people with not necessarily under Fox's <laughs> supervision. Oh, I mean, we, okay. I mean, Oh God. Yeah. He's a renegade. This guy, <laughs> my God. But the part of it was we, we, you know, we, we thought we got things fairly right. And then people saw the pilot military folk and they're like, you got so much wrong. And there's like two courses of action there. One, you ignore it and just kind of afford, or you turn it into a positive. So we had like Jeff record this, uh, thing where Ed, where he's kind of making fun of the show, going, yeah, we got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff wrong, but here's how we can make it up to you. And then like we did this thing where if you would write down all of the things we got wrong and send it into Fox, we'd send you a challenge coin, right? And then in addition to that, I can't tell you the amount the amount of hours I spent on Twitter, like DMing again, talking. Someone will be like, this show got so much wrong. They don't care about the military, and I'd do a DM with them and spend four hours that night talking to somebody in Kansas about the and and it was like. Anyone from just like a, some you know, dude who's got like five followers to people who had military podcasts. And it's like, let's do anything we can to get those people to understand where we're coming from. And to a T, every single person I reached out to um, was like, oh, wow, you actually care about this? Like, thank you. And then they became people who would be a spokesperson for the show, which I think was so important. And just culturally speaking, you know, I mean, you when you're writing about a world that's not your world, if you don't get it right, it's like an insult. You know, and yeah. so that's analogous to a lot of different things. For me, this was the first, like, I'm, it was great to be able to write this world sort of drafting off of everything Kevin created and then learn about it and make sure like I'm doing my research because otherwise you're just doing a bunch of bullshit, you know? And now subsequent shows, especially one day at a time, um, that, you know, I, I, that lesson took and, and you have to make sure you're not, you know, you're, you're presenting an authentic world and also you hiring writers to present that world authentically who have that lived experience. And, um, anyway, it was just, that was my first time really experiencing that. The veteran stuff that Mike and glory did on one day at a time is incredible. Like they had some such great episodes. We had the same military consultants. So thank you. Yes. We didn't delve quite nearly as much 
into military stuff. But when we did, um, you know, uh, MUSA is their MUSA organization. Great, great. That's so wonderful. Well, that's the bulk of my questions, but I have a little fun one at the end since this podcast is about, you know, helping people find shows that they might not, you know, have come across. Do you, both of you have sort of a a favorite show that kind of only got one season or less that you think more people should seek out? Uh, well, I mean, the one I'm obsessed with right now does, did, is on, they're getting ready to shoot its third season, but it still feels kind of under the radar when I think it's the funniest show on TV. It's a show on HBO Max called Southside that is so funny and it's kind of like, it's hilarious. Yeah. And the actors are incredible. The writing's great. It's kind of got like a Detroiters vibe almost to it. Um, where it's like kind of farcical at times and kind of really silly at times, but, but just, you know, it's a, that's a great show, but I feel like not enough people are writing about that one. But as far as shows that only got one season, oh God, I mean, this sounds really snobby and terrible. Part of me is like, and this, I think that's what ha- happens with us sometimes. It's like, if I see, if there's so many shows out there and a show only got one season, it's hard for me to go, oh, I should give that a shot. Right. You know? It's like, I did totally. the same judgment that people do against us. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's good to, I mean, because there's some one season shows back in the day that ended up with like 22 episodes. And that's yep. harder. That's a harder, like, I'm not going to watch, but 13 episodes, you know, great. Now it's just like a limited <laughs> series, you know? But yeah, that's what we did, a limited series. Limited series. I'm going to shout yeah. out my, you know, co conspirator on One Day at a Time has a show called With Love, which right now only has one season. Um, but it, uh, it is going to a second season. But tremendous uh, rom com that's, you know, it did certainly, I'm sure, could use some more attention. It's on Amazon. Uh, and then I don't, I mean, Kevin's being, you know, just being no light, helping people that he doesn't know, but I'm just going to say my own shit. This is two seasons. Okay. That's two yeah, seasons at a certain age, but only 22 episodes, which I just said was too long to watch. But in this case, <laughs> it's two seasons. <laughs> make an exception because it also does end in a, end in a place that feels, uh, well, maybe a little frustrating, but very satisfying. That's and, funny. Uh, that's on HBO Max, and some the, 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 I'm I'm really drumming up support for that show because there's no age they can get to that we can't possibly do a reboot. They can be eighty, you know. The title just works. do it, old man. The, the <laughs> title know? always will, that title will always work. <laughs> yes, Chris. that's wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for for doing this interview. Is there any other tidbits or, or things you want to talk about with Enlisted? Or oh God. I mean, we you could died. shoot all day, about it, but well, just one of the things, and I, I probably haven't mentioned them enough is we also got blessed with like this incredible writing staff. We had a great, great writing staff on that show. I mean, to the point that almost, I think pretty much every person on that staff at this point has either sold a show or is created and running a show. It's crazy. I mean, it's really yes. nuts. Yeah. It was wonderful. It's absolutely true. The The writing and of course the cast and all those things need to come. I mean, you know, you can't not have those things. You can't, you can't blow one tire, right? On the whole, yeah. what is it? You know, 18 wheeler. And so they were on everybody, the, every part of that cast. And it was such a big cast, but everybody brought something. It was crazy, you know? So writing wise, casting wise. And then, uh, you know, they put a bullet in. They put a bullet. You know, what's <laughs> the funny thing that we, we, I, and we always forget about this when the show started, at least Mike and I are like, well, at least we'll know, we know we're going to get viewers on military bases. That's great. We got this, we got an audience there that's right there for us. We got the, not just the soldiers, but we've got their families and all those televisions and oh my, well, we got a set audience there. 
And then we find out, maybe it was like halfway through the season, that because of government laws, you can't collect any data from a military installation. So none of those mattered at all. Oh, it didn't no, matter. Nielsen. It was never factored yes. in. Oh. But it is oh funny. If you God. look at ratings now, we joke about this all the time. If you look at what is getting renewed now in the ratings now, if it listed, we would have been a powerhouse. The like, kings. Yeah. kings. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a point seven. We got a point yeah. seven. That's. We're on a Friday night. Yeah. On a Friday. Yeah. I haven't gone through television for 400 years now that I've been in the business. You know, what they always, at least up through the end of, in the, in the era of broadcasting, what they, then what they do to you is like, they want funny people, but they want pretty people who are funny. You know, it's, you're, you're constantly locked in casting battles about, I want the funny person and they want the good looking person. That's just sort of a classic casting thing that happens. So meanwhile, we, cast these three built in a lab gorgeous men <laughs> who are all yeah. hilarious oh, yes. and then you put them on a poster with a goddamn american flag behind them. <laughs> and it's on fox and i'm like how how is this we should be presidents like how did that how did that not get the full backing it, it's almost like it was created in a lab to be a hit and instead it just sort of yeah. came together I mean, we could do that. We could tell that story, but that's like podcast after dark. That's like, <laughs> that's like you need to pay subscription to Shane's podcast to hear the real. That's right. Real. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your very busy schedules to come and talk to us and talk on this podcast. It's been a real joy and, and the show is just fantastic. It's, it's one of the best. I, ch I chose it for a reason for the, to be the first episode because it's just wonderful. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Shane. Very nice of you to say it. Nice to be here. Following the cancellation of Enlisted, Kevin Beagle worked briefly on the short-lived comedy The Real O'Neills and was tasked with heading Marvel's New Warriors, a project that didn't end up moving forward, although it had already garnered notable online discourse on Twitter. Mike Royce consulted on a number of shows and executive produced the critically acclaimed reboot of One Day at a Time that began life on Netflix and, when it was cancelled, got picked up by Sony for a final season elsewhere. Parker Young went to star in the short-lived two-season show called Imposters about amateur con artists, which is, in the opinion of this podcaster, an excellent show, well worth checking out, and recently in the CBS sitcom The United States of Al, which aired its second and final season in 2022. Chris Lowell went on to work regularly through different TV show guest spots, as well as a supporting role in the critically acclaimed Netflix series Glow, and is currently in How I Met Your Father on Hulu. Jeff Stoltz worked regularly, including stints on Grace and Frankie, Little Fires Everywhere, and the live-action Cowboy Bebop show on Netflix. And Angelique Cabral also had a stint on Grace and Frankie, starred on Life in Pieces for CBS, and the mind-bending animation hybrid show called Undone for Amazon. Keith David has continued to be just as awesome as he always is, appearing in so many TV shows and movies that if I listed them all, we'd be stuck on episode one of this podcast for a long time yet. In the years after cancellation, the show itself is consistently listed on great shows ended too soon all over the web, and thankfully was released on DVD in December of 2014. In a nice little bonus, the DVD presentation restores the episodes to their intended order, so the stories and relationships play out chronologically and make a lot more sense. Now, Enlisted is a pretty wonderful show. Workplace comedies are a dime a dozen in the post-The Office world, but Enlisted really nails the emotional side of things in addition to the slapstick. 
the camaraderie between the cast, especially the brothers, is so very palpable and elevates the whole thing into something that really rewards rewatches. At its core, it's a story of family, and the writers, production team, and the cast infuse so much heart into every moment that by the time you get to the finale, you're all but guaranteed to be smiling and crying at the same time. While the Enlisted Complete Series DVD is only available from third-party resellers and second-hand via sites like eBay, on digital platforms, Enlisted is available on demand on iTunes and Google Play in Australia, and in the United States, it's streaming on Hulu and available for rental or purchase on iTunes. Thank you all for listening to One Season Wonders. We'll be back next time with a brand new, or rather old show, that deserves its dues. This podcast has been written, produced, edited, and narrated by Shane Anderson and produced by Zane C. Weber of That's Not Canon Productions. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Season Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. So that's that. Until the next episode, goodbye.